All right, so I want to start off by having some fun. Do we have anyone here who is over 95 or in their 90s? Like, literally, raise your hand. How old are you, sir? 92. 92. Anyone beat 92? No, 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 stop. We're not done. We're not done. You're clapping too early. Who's older than 92? Anyone? No? All right. So we have our oldest. Were you baptized as a baby? Ah, darn it. Okay, well, <laughs> never mind. I was going to do something really cool. Congratulations, you're old. Moving on. All right. Well, uh, I, I was going to say we now have the longest person who has been baptized in the congregation, and I know that there is a child who was baptized by me here yesterday. So we have the person who was baptized the quickest, the shortest, the least amount of time as a new Catholic, right? And there's something beautiful about baptism. And I love doing this as a priest, bringing people into the church. And there is a specific part of the baptismal rite that I especially love. And that is when I take the holy chrism oil and I anoint the person who is being baptized. And as I anoint them, they are anointed by the church as a priest. They are anointed as a prophet. And finally, they are anointed as a king or a queen. The oil that is used in baptism to make us all priests, prophets, and kings is the same oil that is rubbed on the priest's hands during his ordination. This makes him worthy to confect the body and blood of Jesus and to handle the Eucharist. When each of you were baptized, if it was in the Catholic Church, you were anointed with this same sacred chrism and were told of your triple calling. And if you are anointed as priest, prophet, and king, it is because we are modeling our faith after the life of Jesus, who first acted as a priest, prophet, and king. So now walk with me through the scriptures of the day to see if my posit is correct or if I'm a crazy person. Lord, come to my aid. Lord, come to my aid. Lord, come to my aid. Did we not just sing that? Yes, yes, we did. That is Psalm 40 and the accompanying refrain. Now, let me bring your attention to verse 2 of Psalm 40 as it says, and she sang this, I listened, He drew me out of the pit of destruction. The setting for Psalm 40, as well as the prophet Jeremiah that we heard about in the first reading, is the exact same. Jeremiah makes the wrong people angry, and they try to murder him. They do so by putting him down a well with no water, or a pit of destruction. Now both Psalm 40 and the Jeremiah reading mention that the person was thrown into the pit, a muddy swamp without water. In Psalm 40, the author, who has been thrown into this pit, is praising the Lord for having been delivered from it. In our first reading, Jeremiah is left for dead in the deep, dark earth. Like Jeremiah, Jesus would make people angry and they would put him to death. They would place him in the deep, dark earth. They would seal the tomb and leave him for dead. In the case of Jeremiah, the king sends three men to rescue him from his doom. Jesus died and in three days rose from the grave, defeating death. Jeremiah, through his life, is showing that the Messiah is coming. Jeremiah is almost sacrificed unjustly, but he is spared. Jesus, also convicted falsely, is not spared. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in doing so, Jesus acts as both victim on the cross and high priest. He does not have his life taken from him, but he lays it down freely. So through the cross, he acts as our victim, our sacrificial lamb, as well as our great high priest. In the second reading, it speaks of the role that Christ now plays at the right hand of the Father. The role of Christ and his ministry did not end when he ascended into heaven. Rather, as we admit so often in the penitential rite at the beginning of the Mass, he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. This is why when Christ spoke of the Holy Spirit here on earth, he spoke of another advocate, for he knew that he would be the first advocate, sitting directly next to the Father, begging his mercy for us instead of his justice. That is the whole role of the cross. It acts as the only acceptable sacrifice that would make up for the sin of Adam and Eve. But his sacrifice is not done, as I have said, for he is both victim on the cross and eternal high priest, offering his timeless sacrifice to the Father on our behalf, so that we would indeed get God's mercy. That is why the author of Hebrews points out in our second reading that Jesus has taken his seat at the Father's right hand. And finally, Jesus acts as his own prophet. In our gospel, from the 10th chapter of John, he gives his own reason for coming to earth. Jesus, in a way, tells the people his mission statement, and he says it is the following, I have come to set the earth on fire. How I wish it were already blazing. He says that the gospel he brings will cause division in families. It will pit father against son and mother against daughter. He does not say this trying to be a contrarian. Rather, he says this because he knows the message he brings is hard. Even some of his own disciples will walk away from him. Even one of his own disciples will betray him. He knows that the message he brings comes like a fire to burn away the sin and death from people's lives and to let them walk in the light of his grace. Now I could go on a tangent here and show how to set the whole world burning would be an act of the Holy Spirit and an act of love. And then I could show that there is a correlation between the king in the first reading who rescues Jeremiah acting as a father and boom, we have the Father in the first reading, the Son in the second reading, and the Spirit in the Gospel reading. The scriptures are tightly interwoven and beautifully congruent. Rather than focus on that side tangent, though, I want to continue our theme of priest, prophet, and king. Because it is not enough that Jesus in today's readings acts as a priest, prophet, and a king. But since we have all been anointed by our baptism... Every single man, woman, and child here that has been baptized is called to live out this triple vocation. So as a baptized Catholic, you are probably not called to minister at the altar as I do here. If you are a young single man, though, you may be, so let's consider seminary, okay? <laughs> but most of you by your baptism, all of you by your baptism, rather, are called to participate in the common priesthood of Jesus Christ, which means that you are eligible through your incorporation into the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus 
by your baptism, you are now eligible for heaven. And as such, you are to participate in offering the worship of your heart when you come to Mass or when you make any prayer on your own. Every single prayer, work, joy, and suffering that we experience can be offered to the Father as a prayer and a sacrifice of praise. Every time we enter into prayer with the Lord, we live out our common priesthood. Now we must pray every single day on our own, not with our spouse, not with our children, not only before meals, but every single day on our own to listen to the voice of the Lord. And if you are a father, you are specifically called to act as the priest of your family, directing familial prayer. Now all of us, by our baptism, are called by Jesus to act as a prophet announcing his gospel. It will not be easy, and it will not be received well. But Jesus knew this. It wasn't received well when he originally came preaching the gospel either, for that is why they killed him. But he did tell us to go, therefore, and baptize all nations. You are sent by Jesus to share the love that you experience from God in your prayer life, and you are to tell other people about the goodness that you know. And finally, you are to act as a king, which means you are to be a good steward of the things and resources that the Lord has given you, or has given you the knowledge to know how to procure for yourself. If you are only responsible for yourself, then you act as king or queen over yourself. If you have children, then you act as king or queen for your children by providing what they need for human flourishing. If you are a grandparent, then usually you are a king or queen of a clan, a tribe, or a whole people. You act as patriarch and matriarch for all those who owe their life to your love. You may not be the one in charge of making decisions for the whole family anymore, but the family wouldn't exist without you. If we are not using our God-given talents for the good of humanity in some way, then we are not living up to our regal calling. Take some time this week in your own life to examine if you are living up to the common priesthood, the prophetic mission, and the regal inheritance you have been given by your anointing and baptism. If you are only doing one or maybe two of these three, try and figure out how you might incorporate them into your life and start living them. For by your baptism, you have already been anointed as a prophet, priest, and king. All you need to do is claim the throne.